Hey, welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Check us out on the web at missiodeschicago.com. All right, reading from Luke 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. The word of the Lord. Amen. Let me uh, pray for us one more time. Um, Father, we uh, thank you for your lavish love upon us. Uh, We thank you for (laughs) uh, the gift of joy and laughter. We thank you for how you are moving in this place. And um, yeah, I pray for those... um, even here, who are maybe uh, being in church makes them a little nervous, a um, little, little, little anxious. Pray for, for that person. They would just receive a sense of your peace today. Um, and uh, if you're somebody who prays, and I hope you do, would you just ask God to speak to you today? Um, would, you, would you just do that in the quietness of your heart and ask him to speak? Well, God, we love you. Ooh, it's pretty loud, Jesus. Turn it down. Um, we love you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And um, we're so thankful for this community of faith you're developing. God, would you impart faith to us today? Uh, would you impart uh, a sense of belief in your work and who you are and your character, God? Um, yeah, would you just draw your children to you this morning? Just draw us in. Draw us into intimacy with you. We ask and pray. By your power and your name we ask, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. How are you guys doing? Good? All right. Um, uh, we are in the middle of a series, if you're new with us, on, uh, called, called uh, Becoming the Beloved. Um, and I'm a little anxious today because my wife taught last week and crushed it. And so um, uh, she taught on this uh, beautiful story that you're, many of you are familiar with, the prodigal son the lavish love of the Father and His compassion upon His Son, um, letting Him know that you are my Son, I'm well pleased with you, that His brokenness, um, that our bro- we talked about our brokenness being wrapped under the light of God's blessing upon us. Um, so the series, what it's all about is, is the sense of knowing that we are to be with the Beloved, meaning Jesus. Um, this is the call of discipleship, really, is just to be with Jesus. Um, that's it. Everything flows from that. And um, we've been um, talking about how sometimes that takes practice. Sometimes you have to discipline yourself to um, embrace that and to experience that again. Um, uh, sometimes it, it's, it's kind of like marriage. Marriage at the very beginning is always like, just talking to somebody else, it's like, oh, marriage is amazing. This is great. Like, and then like, you know, you're 12, you're like, okay, we need new tools. We need new skills. Um, sometimes relating to God is like that. So we, we talked about the importance of these practices. Um, and then we, we talked to uh, Ashley, poured in just more into just this becoming that every single one of us is a child of God and you are the beloved. So today I want to talk about how we uh, practically just receive what Jesus received from the Father, this voice that said, you are my son and daughter to all of us that, you, that he's well pleased with you. Um, and so I want to talk about prayer. Uh, prayer today. Who likes to talk about prayer? Does anybody feel like they're just amazing at prayer? Anybody? Anybody's just like, I, you know, serving the poor is a little tricky. Praying, I crush praying. 
Okay, no one, or, I mean, it's okay if you do, I, but, but I think for most of us, if we were all honest in the room, we would say this is like a struggle for us. Um, we live in an age of distraction. Um, we live in an age of the attention economy where basically if you want to make money, it's all about figuring out how to grab people's attention and make them addicts to your thing, give them a notification, make them feel good, get that dopamine rush. Um, so we live in a time where basically the, the, the thing that everyone is after is our attention. Um, and so we live in a, I would say, uh, I know that sounds so like focused on us, but I would say we live in the hardest time to pray. Um, just because we, we uh, also, every single one of us has a little bit of a skeptic in us um, because we've been sold so many things, right? Remember we went off to college and you're like, you want a credit card? It's a free t-shirt. You're like, yeah, sure. Give me a credit card and the free t-shirt. And then like, you're like, whoa, what did I do? Like we've been sold so many things at any time, um, so that anytime that there's like this, uh, the, this call that like there's a promise out there, and when it comes from God, we begin to doubt it because we've been overpromised and underdelivered to in our world, um, and we just we just start to struggle with this. I, I know I do. So um, I want us to, if you have a Bible, there's some Bibles right here. We're going to be in the book, the book of Luke, the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke today, um, and so we're uh, we're Jesus here in Luke 11. Let's just start there and just move our way through uh, the life of Jesus at first. Is that cool? And I want to look at his prayer life and then um, what it means for us. So uh, Jesus, Luke 11, gathered his disciples and he was there and he said, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. All right, let me just stop there. Why is that amazing? This is a time to feedback and response. Why is it amazing that Jesus prayed? Anybody? He was God, right. He was God. Thank you, Phil. If anybody could, like, miss out on the prayer stuff, it was Jesus. Like, if anybody was like, yep, I don't need that, Jesus is sinless, he's God, surely he doesn't have to do the prayer thing, but Jesus is significantly into it, right? He dug it. He loved it. He loved praying. Um, and, and I think that, like, he would get up early to pray, he would stay up all night to pray, um, so for no other reason, we know as his followers that we are to pray because Jesus did it. And he didn't just need it, right? Like, there are times that he needed it because of his humanity, but I don't think he just needed it. I think he just missed being with the Father. I think he missed um, just the, the, the intimacy with his daddy, and he desired it. So praying is not just dealing with the bad stuff. Um, it was something to do for Jesus to get to be with the Father because he missed him dearly. So let's just keep reading. And he said, when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples to pray. Um, so the disciples, they've, they've never asked Jesus for help with anything else or training on anything else except prayer. Like in terms of preaching the gospel, they're going to like, Jesus, can you help us preach the gospel? Um, in terms of doing um, ministry to the poor, never said, Jesus, can you teach us how to do this? Um, they asked Jesus, can you teach us to pray? Because they saw the prayer life of Jesus, that prayer was the key to Jesus's power and the to the revelation that he spoke, they saw Jesus getting away in the lonely place so much, so often, withdrawing by themselves. They're like, Jesus, we need you to teach us how to do that because we want the same power, the same perspective. And so Jesus' disciples never asked help for evangelism. They never asked for help with justice, only asked for help with prayer because they understood prayer was the source of power for Jesus and perspective. For Jesus. And so they understood this is when his power came. 
when he would go away in these lonely places. So um, turn to Luke 5. Turn back a couple of pages to Luke 5. We're going to just be flipping around a lot in Luke 5, verse, verse 15. But now, even more, the report about him, Jesus, went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him to be healed of their infirmities. But he, Jesus, would withdraw to the desolate place, to the solitude place. Um, so they saw Jesus, this was like, he would often do this. Before he even launched his ministry prior to this, he said that he fasted for 40 days, praying, and then he was tempted by Satan, wrestling with the enemy. And that's when we know that we hear this whole series that we're basing it on. He hears in that wilderness place of fasting and prayer, he hears the voice of his father, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's where he receives the blessing and the belovedness of who he is. Um, So prayer marked all the key moments for Jesus' life. Um, And then look at Luke 6. Luke 6, flip over one more page, verse 12. You guys okay? Getting your Bible a little bit today? Is that cool? All right. You guys awake? Yeah. All right. It's a little like, feels a little overcast in here. I don't know. If it was like that nice, perfect sleeping light. It's just like, oh. So, verse 12 in chapter 6. In these days he went out on the mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when, he, when day came, he called his disciples and chose from the twelve whom he named the apostles. So now here's Jesus. He's about to select the disciples who are going to carry out his mission to the world. All right, think about that. He's, he's got to choose 12 people, and he chose this ragtag group of teenagers that was aged 12 to 20. And the reason he chose these people is he spent the entire night in prayer asking the Father who it is that he should choose. So if you need guidance... Prayer is so crucial. So he early in the morning, he came down. He called them each by name. And then he said, you are my disciples. You're, the, you're becoming the beloved community, and you are going to go out and do my mission. So what he did is in that afternoon, he went off with his community. Then he began to speak words of healing, blessing people, caring for the poor. And just notice the, 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 the order. Order is so important in our relationship with God. There was this union with the Father. Then he formed this community, and then they went out and did ministry. I don't know about you, but for me, I'm like, I'm ready to go do some ministry. I'm ready to go make some changes in this world. And then if I get stuck, I need to go talk to some people about how I'm stuck. And then if I still need help, I'll pray, right? Isn't that kind of how we often use prayer in our lives? We kind of use it as this last resort, this lifeline. But no, Jesus is like, no, this is where the foundation, this is the foundation of my entire relationship with the Father. Um, So, um, we, we often want to fill every space up in our heads. We become very preoccupied. Um, I don't know about, there used to be this thing called boredom. You guys, anybody remember that? There was a thing called boredom pre-Wi-Fi. Um, before Wi-Fi existed, it, it was this thing, and you were bored, and you would go, I remember being a kid, and you're like, I'm just going to go make a bow and arrow. I'm going to cut down a tree and bend it and try to make a bow and arrow. It's like, yeah, you're just like, I'm bored, and I'm just going to go do stuff, make stuff. Like, there's this beautiful thing called boredom that we need to rediscover and not just fill and preoccupy ourselves with, with these phones that we talked about do not work for you. They work for someone in Silicon Valley. And we need to really just create these spaces that are these potential porters, portals. Um, that boredom is a potential porter in, portal into the life of God. Um, and so we uh, often just reach and fill space, um, but... It's basically like filling the, the insecurities of the voices that you are what you have, you are what you do. 
You are what others say about you. But when we create space to be with the Father, he says, those aren't true of you. You are my beloved son and daughter. I'm well pleased. I'm already pleased with you. And so spend a little time listening, just like Jesus, to the one who says this is who you are. All right? So I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me get back to Luke. Luke chapter 9. One more passage. Transfiguration. All right, so look, look at, turn to Luke 9, verse 28. Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter, John, and James. So he takes his three best buds. They go up to the mountain to pray. And when he was, a, he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered. Another translation talks about Peter falling asleep, so we know it's night, unless Peter was just really supernaturally good at falling asleep. Um, we know it's nighttime. And as he was praying, his face appeared and, uh, uh, and it was altered. His clothing became dazzling white. He goes through this transfiguration, this transformation. Behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke his departure. So they see these two other figures, this vision. And when he, this is all during Jesus' prayer time. And when he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem, now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Oh, yeah, there we go. But when they became fully awake, they saw glory in the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let's make tents. One of you for Moses, one of you Elijah. In other words, like, can we keep this prayer meeting going on forever? And then um, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from heaven, and what did it say? The same thing. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. So after this passage, why I want to show you this is right after this, the disciples go, they try to heal uh, a man that's demon-possessed. They can't do it. And they're like, Jesus, we tried to do everything. Why didn't we heal? And he goes, this kind only comes out by prayer. This kind of demon only comes out by prayer. We see that every time Jesus prayed that there was power that followed. Every time that Jesus prayed, there was always power that followed. Every time he prayed, there was a whole perspective of his ministry. Jesus was constantly getting away praying. Like, he, he, if you read the gospel straight, he really didn't have the, the good, like, healthy work-life balance, you know? Like, there was times that he would just pray all night. He would it'd say, he's exhausted, and then he went to the mountain to pray. Um, so, if that, if that comforts you, non-disciplined people, just be encouraged by that. Jesus wasn't necessarily always the best godly rhythm kind of guy, <laughs> all right? Um, but he went away praying, and then he would come down, and there would be all these people that, that were hungry, and the disciples were like, Jesus, feed them. He's like, he's like or they're like, they're hungry, and Jesus was like, well, feed them. And the disciples were like, I don't see any pita stops around here. We're in the middle of nowhere. Um, we need to tell them to go away. And he goes, no, we need to feed them. So he, broke, he got, got a lunch from a kid, broke the bread got the two fish, multiplied it, fed 5,000 people. Because Jesus loved people. And his prayer life caused him to just love people and embrace people with compassion. Then Jesus is about to get on a boat with his disciples. The disciples get on a boat. Jesus says, no, I'm going up to the mountain to pray. And then they're on a boat, and Jesus walks out on the water like a ghost. You see this? Like there's this common theme where Jesus would get alone to pray, and then he would show his power. All right? That's where he got the downloads from the Father. He got the intimacy with the Father in which the power from Most High came. And maybe the greatest example of Jesus' prayer life comes in Luke 22, in which he was with, he's facing the cross. He's about, he, he has his best friends with him. And he asked Peter, he says, will you watch and pray with me for one hour? And it says that Peter starts falling asleep again. Now, I don't know about you, but if like, Jesus came to you early in the morning or middle of the night, and he's like, hey, um, could you pray with me for an hour? I think most of us would be like, you know, Jesus, I haven't had my morning coffee, but you know, you're Jesus. I'll pray with you. I can do it. I can do this. I'll pray. No, Peter falls asleep again. He's out cold. 
um, and he doesn't uh, stay awake. Um, and so he falls asleep, uh, but when he wakes up, he sees Jesus praying, and it says that Peter saw Jesus praying. We know this because he wrote the gospel, uh, influenced the gospel of Mark. And Jesus says, Abba, Father, take this cup from me. Jesus says, Abba, Daddy. So that, that Aramaic word for Daddy, take this cup from me. Pleading with God, and God says, no. So he's pleading with God. The cup is the, is the symbolic for the cross. He says, if you have any other way, would you take this cup from me? Would you take the cross from me? That whole death thing, I don't want to do it. And thank God, God said no to Jesus. Sometimes the Christian life is full of unanswered prayer. And that's the Christian experience. That's Israel. The word Israel means wrestle. That you, church, are the new Israel. You are baptized into the faith. And it is, you, it is a struggle. And you, the new struggle. Jesus is wrestling with God, pleading with God, and God says no. And this is what we see. There's your greatest pain. Your greatest pain can become the greatest blessing to people beyond you could ever imagine. And some of you are in that place, same as Jesus, and sometimes we're praying, and, not, and, and we see this beautiful picture of Jesus' words. He says, not my will, but yours be done. So sometimes in prayer, that is the heart of, really, that is the heart of prayer. The heart of prayer is not you coming to God and trying to get God to say amen to what you want. The heart of prayer is you learning to say amen to what God wants. That's the heart of prayer. It's not you trying to get God to say amen to what it is that you want. It is you saying amen to what God wants in his kingdom and his, his, his life. And, and, and so some of you are probably like, one of the obstacles I think a lot of people, if we're honest, why we don't pray is just, we get outcome anxiety. Do we not? We're like, if I pray for this, is God really going to do anything about it? Right? If I pray, is, there really good, is he really going to answer? Does prayer even work? Like, really, like, if I say these words to this God, it, sometimes it, it can feel like you're just giving some kind of grocery list to the air, and you're just like, is this really going to happen? Is me saying these things really going to change the trajectory of history? Anybody else? Just me? Okay, just me. I'm glad I'm alone up here. Me and, like, I think Tim Keller said something like that. So me and Tim Keller, we're in the same boat. God is all-powerful. He does have a plan, but he entrusts his rulership with us. Isn't that beautiful? That God is sovereign. He does have a plan, but he, is a, he says, I want to co-partner with you. I want to partner with you in renewing the world. I, and so he chooses these 12, 20-year-olds. He, ch- he chose them. He puts them in charge. And, and, and that's what a good father does. A good father wants to put their, have their kids like learn responsibility. He wants them to, to be able to, you, you want your kids to like love you authentically, not like, I love you, daddy, right? Like you want your kid to like just run up and see you when you come in the door, like my son Jude, right? My son Jude, I open the door. He's like, daddy, 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 and he gives me a hug, right? And there's this moment of intimacy and embrace, and it just, it just brings joy to a tired father's heart. Because it was voluntary. Never once was like, you better come home and say, I, you say you love me, right? So he first he expresses this love. And that's what, what God is saying is this, this is a, you have a will, you have a choice to, to love me back. And God took a risk on us when he created the world. He didn't have to create us. He didn't have need. He wasn't, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were like, we're kind of lonely. We're bored. I don't like you anymore. We need some people. No, the, the Trinity wasn't bored. 
The Trinity didn't need you to create you. He, he spent, the, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, spent themselves out of reckless love. And sort of a calculated reckless love at that. That it was a sense of like knowing the risk of that fact that these people will probably will rebel against us and will not always choose us. But it brings joy when God's children, it brings joy to God's heart. Like you bring joy to God's heart when you actually choose him, when you are like just voluntarily loving um, him. Um, I, I don't always feel like I'm killing it as a parent. Um, I don't know anybody who parents that do. Um, I don't feel like I'm always getting it right. Yes, we got uh, affirmative laughter. Um, and, uh, but for open house, Naomi, one of our daughters, was writing in her journal. And um, this is one of these moments where you just, you just like, oh, finally, I did something right. She had to write these emotions that she felt and um, where it was and with who. And so... Um, so for, for Ashley, now this is not a, a picture, what I'm about to say about Ashley, this is not Ashley, this is a, a praise of Ashley, because Ashley's the disciplinarian good parent who doesn't need a friend in her kid, all right? So for Ashley, it was frustrated Disneyland with mom, all right? So it's like, okay, and then dad is overjoyed dad everywhere, and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, for once, for once, she, she, I did something good as a parent, right? Um, and this is, this, is, this is, why does that minister to my heart? Because it was completely voluntary. God's not going to force you to love him. He's not going to force you to pray to him. But he, it brings him joy when you come to him. It brings you joy when you begin to enjoy him and miss your daddy. Um, and so we have this messed up world where Adam and Eve came into this world, and they didn't say like Jesus, not my will, but yours. They said, God, not your will, but mine be done. And because of that, we now have sickness, we have suffering, and we have sin that entered into this world, ricocheted over everything. And in the end, it's going to be different. We're not going to, no more sin, no more suffering, no more sickness. And so prayer is just using your will to choose God's will, because the will of God is that, one day, that there will be no more sin, no more sickness, no more suffering. That's God's will. And so when we're here in between times, stuff to do, right? There's ministry, there's work to be done, but in the between, we pray that God would reverse the curse, that there will be no more sin, no more sickness, no more suffering in people's lives. So we partner with God's will and we say yes to what his will. We say, not my will, Lord, your will be done now. So now we can see marriage, uh, broken marriages restored. We can see sicknesses healed. We can see miracles break forth because we are making space for God's will. Does that make sense? So power of prayer is you using your will to choose God's will. And that's what Jesus does ultimately on the cross. He reverses the curse. So Jesus, prayer was so central to him. So central to him. Now, those are some examples. Now, go to the early church. Jesus said in Matthew 28, Go, therefore, be my disciples, make disciples of people, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to obey all my commands always, and lo, I'll be with you till the ends of the earth. And then they were off, and Jesus was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Acts 1, he says, just wait here, pray, receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the power. So they pray in this room. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon this community. And Peter goes out and preaches, and 3,000 people get saved. Pretty cool day, right? Pretty amazing day. Ministry explodes. It's chaotic. They're trying to 
meeting homes. They're trying to make a ton of like ton of food in homes. They're trying to meet in temple courts and synagogues on Sundays. All this stuff's happening. They're taking care of widows and orphans. Acts 6, the, the leaders of the church say, it's not good that we're just waiting on tables, doing administration all the time. It's like we should be devoted to prayer and God's word. That's the marks of a godly leadership is being devoted to prayer and God's word. First and foremost, they're like, we have to delegate this. We have to create some structures and systems so we can be devoted to prayer and God's word. And so they uh, begin to pray, and prayer becomes, through the ages, throughout that, rest of that, always, 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 always central to the movement of God. Anything happens in God's kingdom, any revival, any mark in history, it always happens through prayer. Always! 100% of the time, it's amazing. And so why should we be avoiding this thing? Why should we not press into this, that, that prayer becomes the cycle? that he moves. And so I don't know about you, but I just want to know God better. I just want to be, I don't want to, I have this fear that like, yeah, like, I mean, I think it's easy to like study about God. It's easy to learn theological truths about God. But I don't, I don't want to come when it's all done. It's all, I'm flatlined. And Jesus looks at me and said, Brian, you preached my name. You casted out demons. You did ministry, but I never knew you never knew you. I want to be someone who knows the face of God, that knows the language of God. I want to know God close. I want to miss him. I want to be a person who loves him, who spends time with him, who, who, who everything else, it flows from that. And so I'm very, I, I, I'm very afraid that that could one day happen. The key to every Christian life is prayer. So here's the deal. Prayer is union with God. Union with God. We see this in every human life, right? Baby, born, what do they do? They're not very useful, right? They just receive. They just be. They're just born. Then we as humans, we grow. We do some useful things. And then we get to the other end of our life. What happens? We lose our power. We lose our abilities. Where really, all we, all we, we, they can be something, but they can't do a lot anymore picture of the destiny of a human being is just to be. It's just to be. And one day, we're going to get to heaven, and we're going to, like, experience the learning curve of heaven. That, like, one day, like, people who do social justice, and they're all about social justice, they're going to get to heaven, and there's not going to be any more justice to do. People who are evangelists are going to get to heaven, there's not going to be any more evangelism to do. And there, there, there's a sense that, like, Many won't know what to do on that day because all they knew to do is ministry, not talk and be in union with Jesus. I want to be ready for that day, don't you? I want to be ready for that day. And so, man, we have to root ourselves with encountering God. All activity flows from that because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the heavens just as much as the sea fills the ocean, as much as the waters fill the ocean, says Habakkuk. And on that day, we will step into our destiny being people of prayer and worship. We'll step into our destiny. So we must learn the learning curve of heaven now. Um, yeah, prayer is this picture of just union with God. I love, love, love this story of um, Dan Rather, who interviewed Mother Teresa, like in the 80s. Um, Dan Rather's interviewing Mother Teresa, and he asked her, um, Mother Teresa, like, when you pray, what do you say to God? 
And she says, oh, I, I don't say anything. I listen. And he's kind of dumbfounded, confused. He's stumped. He's like, oh, okay, well, what does God say then? And she says, God doesn't say anything. He listens. And she says, and if you don't understand that, I'm afraid I can't explain it to you. But there's this sense of union with God's presence that comes upon you when you pray, that you feel peace, you feel his joy, and you, you pursue it. And then sometimes you do hear an audible voice from God. Sometimes you really do. But you know what? That sense of union is worth it. sense of union is so worth it that every movement of God in history has been mobilized through prayer. The greatest miracle of all is not, listen, the greatest miracle of all is not that God answers prayer. Like God answering prayer, doing a miracle, God's like, that's my character. That's easy. I do, I, that's, I don't have, that's not hard for me. The greatest miracle of all is when people actually bend the knee to pray. When we trust God that, this, that he can do things, he can move mountains. He is moving and working. And so Jesus taught his disciples, when you pray, pray this way. He says, I want you to first pray our Father, all right? So he says, this is who you are. Now, this is critical. Some of you, as I've been talking, your inner cynic has been creeping in um, a lot. And so he says, I want you to pray our Father. That's important because one of the greatest strongholds that we have to break is these false images of God. One of the reasons we don't come to God in prayer is because we have a stronghold of a false image of who God is. And so we will never enjoy prayer if you have a false image of who God is. He says, God is your Father. Your Father. That's who he says. He's, he's, at the time Jesus wrote, the, uh, this was written, um, God would have been addressed in a very formal Jewish custom. And so you had to say it properly so you didn't say God's name in vain. And over 148 times in the Gospels, Jesus uses his favorite phrase to call God Father. And then most theologians believe that when the Gospel writers wrote the word Father, they used the Greek word pater, um, because it was so audacious and blasphemy to use the word that Jesus called Father, which was Abba, Dada, that babble, Papa. And so Jesus is this, he, he uses this word, Abba, Father. We come to him in babbling baby talk, Daddy. And so prayer addresses a father in a particular fashion, not just any human father. Many of us, um, for some of you, this is going to take a really long journey to get to the place to really relate to God as Father, that intimate, personal person who has good intentions for you. Um, because we, we have these father wounds in which that wasn't the case. And um, I, I want to just think about the passage Ashley spoke of last week, the prodigal son and the compassionate father, that the son comes back after all his reckless living, and the father's there waiting, looking, and I want you to know the father sees you. The father sees you. Like, my kids, um, obviously the sermon's about praying and with fathers, so there's a lot of imagery that comes up for me. Um, my kids, like, consistently hassle me. Dad, can I have ice cream? Dad, can I go to the jump zone? Dad, can we go to Disney? we're, Disneyland? No, we're in Chicago. Dad, can, can we go to Disney, Disneyland next week? No. Can, we, can, we, can I have ice cream again? No. Like, yes. Okay. Well, well I just, this is a constant bombarding. Dad, Dad, can I go to the store and get this toy? Because they know that they have a father whose intentions are good towards them. That they know that they can just continually keep asking because they have a father whose intentions is good for them. You have a father who has good intentions for you. Do you believe that? Or do you believe God is this grumpy old man in the sky that's just kind of like, here they come again wanting something. 
No, God's like, I have good intentions for you. I love you. He's not an absent father. Absence is the one thing that God can't do. <laughs> That's, absence is the one thing that God cannot do. He can't be absent. It would be against his nature to do anything else, just as it would be against my nature to do anything else but to love my kids, delighting over my kids, unnecessarily loving them, unnecessarily giving them good gifts. And it wasn't until that interaction with my kids that I really understand this picture of father because I didn't really have a picture of father like God. And second, what we see in that story is not only does God see you, he embraces you. He embraces you, the son. He says, stop your forgiveness speech. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Come here right now. Embraces you. The father embraces you today. You can trust him. You can trust him. He's not a morality police looking over you, waiting for you to make a mistake so he can pounce on you. Um, and also, he embraces you like in your season of life. I want to say, as I've been pre- preparing for this, as a pastor, one of the things I see the most in our community is um, we have a lot of parents with just little toddlers. Like, you're in a season of life where prayer is hard. God sees you, and he embraces you. He's not looking down upon you. He's not disappointed with the lack of a quiet time. But he does love when you give a praise to the father as you burp your child who's just threw up on you, right? Like, this is a hard season, but he wants you to press in but he knows that he is good to you and he's okay with your season of life. He loves you. He wants you to press in, but he gives you permission to honor the stage of life you're in. And this is the hardest season of life for you, parents. It is. It's one of the hardest seasons of life spiritually. These little things, they can take the life out of you. But he says, look, I'm a good father who embraces you. And not only that, when the son returns, he goes, kill the fattened calf. We're going to throw a party. The father celebrates you. Would you hear that? I heard that the first time I just, when I, when I, God spoke to that, me to that, that to me over this passage, meditating on it. I was like, can he do that? Can God celebrate me? That's crazy. God celebrates you right now. That's amazing. The God who created the universe looks at you and goes, I want to throw a party for you. I celebrate you. Like, I love you so much. I just want to just give all of myself to you. Like, you can have fun with prayer. You can have fun enjoying God. God doesn't theologically accept you. He experientially accepts you. He wants to throw a party over you. That's the kind of love he has. Now, our ideas of God is what? When we pray, God's a grumpy old man in the sky. You're laughing because you know it's true. He's far away, and I don't feel his presence. Right? Anybody? Number three, we often think the main point of prayer is to get what I want. And number four, my prayers really don't make a difference anyway. And a lot of us believe either bits and pieces of that or all of that. And this is the reality of who it is that you're praying to. He is a father who loves you. And when I see my son come home, daddy, 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 oh man, it just melts my heart. Then he always asks every day what he wants for his birthday. I want bumblebee from Transformers every single day. But not until after he said, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And so we get to ask. That's the rest of the Lord's Prayer. We'll teach on that another year. But first, just know that God's your Father. And after this embrace, um, I just want want three more practical things and we're going to close, all right? Is that cool? Um, First thing, just 
three phrases that help me is keep it um, up here. Well, obviously, I just forgot them. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. All right? First, keep it simple. Pray wherever you are. I'm not talking about geographically. That's true, too. But wherever you are. If you're like, Brian, this is for, like, the real spiritual people in the room. Anybody feel that? Like, this is not me. I'm a binge watcher of Netflix. Like, this is not... No, like I don't, I'm not that spiritual. I'm not this person that calls down heaven to come down and do all these things. I don't pray that way. I hear people pray and I'm just like, oh, I don't know how to even do that. Like, no, pray where you are. Pray what is in your heart. If what is in your heart is spreadsheets and numbers of your company, pray about those numbers of that company in that spreadsheet. Pray where you are. If where you are is God I don't know if you're real anymore. Pray where you are. If where you are is I'm confused, I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated with you, pray where you are. All throughout scriptures we see this. I don't have time to tell you all the stories. God calls Jeremiah and says, before you were even in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you and a destiny for you, and that's to preach the good news to this people. Wow, that's amazing. Jeremiah chapter 20. This is not going so well. I've been depressed, beat up, fogged, and... Jeremiah has the audacity. I'm kind of getting into the keep it honest. He has the audacity to say in the Hebrew, God, you seduced me. You tricked me. You can say that to God. Do you know that? You can say what you want to God. So pray wherever you are. Wherever you are in your life, pray it. And keep it, keep, pray for the simple things and pray for big things. If you just pray for the inevitable things, it's not really, like if you say, God gave me my daily bread. There's a lot of bread around this place in these stores, and, and there really is not much power, and you'd be like, oh, there's bread. But when you pray for, like, audacious things, like, God, would you completely transform Chicago to be a place of no more violence? That's what he, but also pray for simple things, like parking spaces. I used to laugh at people that prayed for parking spaces. Pray for parking spaces. Because what's going to happen is if you don't pray for the simple things, if you only pray for the big things, you're only going to feel grateful every once in a while. But if you pray for the simple things, you will feel grateful all the time for God. So pray for silly slabs of concrete to show up, all right? And, you're, and some of you are like, does God really, would he have really not given you a parking space if you don't pray? I don't know. Ask the theologians. I just want to be a psychotic person who's always grateful. Don't you? And so pray for the simple things. Keep your, your prayers simple. Simple, simple prayer. Second, keep it honest. Keep it real. Be honest with God. Jeremiah, you seduced me. If you tell God what you really want, he'll show up where you struggle. Where the heart of God is represented in your prayer and where you are in your prayer, God will meet you there graciously. He'll show you where your honest prayer that feels offensive actually somehow images God and is off from God. That's been my experience. He'll show you where your honest prayer with God images his character and is off from his character. And um, the la I don't know about you, but when you, some of you think, like, I can't do that. I just want to ask you this question. What's the opposite of hate? Think about that. The opposite of hate, I don't know if it, I mean, sorry, what's the opposite of love? I totally messed up my thing. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. So when you come with God with that raw emotion that feels negative, you're showing God that you care. 
showing God that you're, you, you want to come to him so God can handle our laments, our rages, our pain, our disappointments. C.S. Lewis said, may it be the real you coming before the real him. And so if you want to do something amazing for God, trade in your appearance of being godly and close to God with actually just being close to God. Pretty amazing, right? Trade in your appearance of being close to God with just being close to him by the way you are and who you are. Be real. Um, lastly, keep it up. Keep it up. Um, there's often, I think we just give up too soon. We just give up too soon. Um, I get this picture like when I was in San Francisco, I took my kids to this exploratorium, and there's this cool thing where there's these dominoes, and there's this itty-bitty domino, like an inch big. And I think that's the way prayer works, is there's these dominoes that then would hit a bigger domino and a bigger domino, and a bigger domino, and the last domino is like this big. And when we keep praying the same thing continually, we are building those dominoes until God just, boom, answers your prayer. And I think we have to keep it up. Sometimes I think we often just give up too soon. We give up too soon. Prayer is hard to sustain because we're often weak. Our sense of God is often weak. Um, and Prayer is often really synonymous to love. It really is, because prayer is love. It's love with God. And you think about a marriage. I mean, it starts off amazing, and then it gets hard. And that's why we have vows that say, I'll love you for richer or for poorer, for death or life, sickness and in health, right? Because that's a, that, there's a sense of a, a, a commitment there. There's a sense of, like, this is not always sustainable, but at the same time, it's the thing we need more than anything else. Um. I just want to close with this one story. Um, so Jesus says we need to start with our Father. This is the context of prayer, understanding God's love for you. So why did Jesus pray so much? It wasn't just to give him power or perspective. He loved the Father. Garden Gethsemane, Daddy, Daddy. Um, I don't know about you. Has anybody ever trained, uh, potty trained a human being before? Anybody? That's why there was, like, a couple of, like, smiles and laughters and a bunch of, like, apathy, like, all in the same moment when you, people raise their hands. Um, it's different from dogs. Dog people, you can just say, like, go to the tree, come back later. Like, human beings, they're different when you potty train them, so we're potty training Jude right now. Um, and, yeah, parenting's hard. There's, you have to clean things off the floor all the time. Um, it also reminded me, like, when I was a little, when Jude was a little baby, as we potty trained, um, there was this funny moment where uh, I was changing his diaper, and, you know, I changed his diaper. He was a baby. And I remember, like, you ever see those ads where there's, like, the hunk dad carrying the baby with a shirt off? And I was like, for once, just humor me, I want to be that guy. So I'm going to go in my backyard, I'm going to take my shirt off, and I'm going to walk around with my naked baby, and I'm going to suck in every muscle I can, because I want to be that guy. And all of a sudden... All hell breaks loose of bowels from Jude all over me. <laughs> so, yeah, parenting's hard. Um, Jude, Jude has yelled in our faces while we potty train. Um, he's done some pretty horrible things to me. But yet, I really like him. I really like him. I love him and I like him. Now, I've got some friends. And if you, any of you friends came over to my house and you peed on my floor, you screamed in my face, and you smeared excrement everywhere, I would struggle to like you. 
but I love Jude because he is my son. He's my son. That's the difference. So I found myself saying to God, you know, God, I suppose this whole love thing, sometimes I feel like you love me generally. Like it's kind of like if you, I want you to love me because if you don't, I'll just blow up the world. Or surely you love me conditionally, like when I do good things. Or surely, God, you love me theologically, like I'm dis- you're disgusting, but I love you, you know, kind of thing. I don't know why I'd say that with an accent. <laughs> um, but the moment I, I begin to like really press into God's love, I, he's, I'm like, that picture. The moment I articulate the thoughts towards God, I know the answer he's just saying, you see the way you feel about that little guy, Jude? I feel the exact same way about you because you can yell in my face. You can make a mess of your life. You can be covered in filth and I'm still going to love you because I'm your daddy. That's the kind of love God wants to give to you today. That's, that's the kind of love of the Father. That, we must receive. And that is the heartbeat of prayer. The central thing of prayer is God's heart and love for you. It's his love for you. And if you can embrace that, it will sustain you through the times where he doesn't answer your prayers. And if you can embrace his love for you, you will see that he is so much more keen to want to see your face than you are see his. And he wants to see your face. He wants to love you. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Daddy. Would you help our community, your children, be people that are just intimate with you above all? Lord, would you create an intimacy here in this place? Meet everybody where they are, not where they should be. May we be sustained by your love today. We just want to pray over some people. Um, I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over those images, those false images of God. I pray that they would, that some strongholds of images of God would be broken today from you. Um, That like some of you like sense God as different from that kind of intimate father who has good intentions for you. You see him as like a morality police or just really absent. A lot, of, a lot of words, not a lot of presence. Some of you see him as just grumpy. And I just want to pray right now by the power of the Spirit that he would begin today to break those strongholds of your view of him. And we want to pray over you. We want to pray that God would come and meet you real father would come and love you right where you are so we're going to sing we're going to pray we're going to take communion in a little bit after this song and um yeah just want to create space for us to minister to one another to pray to be intimate with the father to praise and glorify him for the things he has done sometimes we hear god's answer he answers our prayer and we just like oh He did it, and we don't even praise him for all his goodness.
So Lord, would you just break those strongholds today? Strongholds of these images that are not of you. Would you replace it with the love of the Father so we could enjoy you? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.